All right, so me and my wife, Hannah, we arrived to Serbia. As you guys know, it was February 5th of 2020. And I don't know if anyone remembers during that time, there were some rumblings on the news about some virus, but it, it wasn't supposed to get that bad, you know. And so that's when me and Hannah arrived to Serbia. We got to Belgrade, Serbia, in the, the middle end of the winter. Nice gray, cold winter. Um, and our first month was pretty exciting. We were able to, to go there and travel to a few different countries, uh, to Bosnia, to Croatia. Um, and we were a part of a vision tour. Uh, and this vision tour was probably 10 or 12 people from the U.S. who were interested in partnering with some of the work that the Church of the Nazarene is doing in these countries. Um, and going to, to prayerfully see uh, what's going on in these places and to seek God and what he has for, for, for a vision in these places. These three countries are former states of uh, Yugoslavia, Bosnia, Croatia, and Serbia. And as you guys know, I was in Croatia uh, for a couple years as a volunteer before. And in Croatia, there's been a church plant there for like 10 years. and uh, Bosnia, there is no church of the Nazarene yet. And we're praying about, you know, when to enter, what to do there. Uh, And in Serbia, me and Hannah entered uh, on February 5th of 2020. And we're kind of like, we've kind of been like pioneering the Church of the Nazarene in Serbia. Um, We're the first long-term missionaries to have stayed there, um, be sent and stay. And um, we've been there for two years and... uh, our, our first month, like I said, was pretty, pretty cool. We were traveling a lot. We were with a group. We were able to go to these different places. And then in early March, like March 4th or 5th or something, we re-entered Serbia with this vision tour group. And at that time, uh, COVID was really kicking up and uh, borders were starting to get tight. Borders were closing, airports closing. You know, it was starting to get crazy in March. And so we were kind of... Uh, nervous about re-entering Serbia because I was sick. I had a little bit of a fever and they were doing temperature checks at the border and it was a little scary but uh, they didn't do temperature checks when we crossed so we made it into Serbia again. We're there with this vision tour for a few days and then the vision tour left on like March 7th or 8th. We moved into our new apartment on March 9th and uh, we got into our new apartment this vision tour left. Another group was supposed to come that got canceled. And we were in our new apartment. We didn't have Wi-Fi yet. And the, the lockdown hit in Serbia. And it was pretty strict. It was like uh, two months of having to be inside at 6 p.m. at night. Only being able to go out like for groceries or to the pharmacy or something. Having to be inside on the weekends. Uh, and I think in, on the weekends you could only go outside if you were walking your dog. So we had to find some friends with an extra dog. And so, and so all of a sudden, we just felt like during this time that we were just dumped in Serbia. Like, what is going on? You know, we just got here. Uh, people left. You know, we just felt like we were dumped there. Um, and I, th- I definitely can, can see that the last 20 months or so have been tough. There's been a lot of struggle uh, for us, you know, in Serbia and I'm sure for a lot of us here, there's been a lot of struggle too, but 
I can say that in the midst of all this, God is working. Uh, he's working here. He's working in Serbia. And so that's what we're here to talk about today. And uh, my son's just staring at me when I speak. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and this time we, we brought back a baby, as you can see. So we, we've been going to a lot of, mich- a lot of churches speaking about Serbia the, the last month since we've been back. And we always say that uh, most missionaries come back with some handcrafted, you know, cultural souvenirs or something, something cool from the culture, but we brought back a baby, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, homemade, yep. Yep. And he was born on June 30th, and, and uh, he's awesome. So, his name is Benson. And so, yeah, so we've been in Serbia the last 20 months, and, and a big part of our assignment there has been to learn the culture and the language, try and figure out how to, how to live there, how to go to the grocery store, how to get medicine and all that kind of stuff. So we kind of went into Serbia like babies to be able to learn, you know, how to live there. How do we do this? How do we learn the language? And so we've been spending a lot of time in language study. Serbian is a Slavic language with the Cyrillic alphabet, which means it's totally unrelated to English in any way. So it takes some time to learn. We've been learning. Um, and the culture has been really cool to learn as well. So Serbian culture is interesting because of its geographical location. It's like right in the middle of the Balkans. And it's like uh, because, of, because of this location, it has been through so many wars, like empires, uh, Serbia fighting for its dependence, like so much turmoil in history. Uh, they've just been a part of everything, it seems like, uh, if there's war and stuff. And so uh, we've, we've learned that Serbia is kind of a really cool mix between Eastern and Western cultures. Uh, it's, it's like right there is where it's like, if there was an Eastern-Western border, it, it seems like it would be right there. Like uh, Serbia is Western. It's part of Europe. Uh, lots of bakeries, lots of coffee shops and stuff like that very european uh but at the same time it's it's kind of eastern as well it was a it was a part of the roman um, uh the ottoman empire for several hundred years and so it's kind of like has like a turkish kind of eastern feel as well and so culturally it's really interesting like kind of right in the middle uh so um we've enjoyed serbia we've we've had some struggle as like i've said but it's been really cool as well uh, and we live in the city of Belgrade, a city of 1.5 million people. Uh, and you can see this mix of east and west in Belgrade. It's like uh, where we've been living is kind of, at, it's like really close to the border that was the border between the Austro-Hungarian Empire and the Ottoman Empire for several hundred years. So it's like right at that that border point. Um, and we've learned that uh, Serbia is uh, an Eastern Orthodox country. So over like 90% of people uh, are, are Eastern Orthodox, Serbian Orthodox. And we've learned that uh, it's kind of like, it's just kind of like who you are. If you're Serbian, you're Christian, you're Orthodox. Like that's just kind of what you're born into as your identity. And it's, we've, we've found that it doesn't necessarily mean people have a personal relationship with Jesus. It doesn't mean people are a part of a church. And so uh, we've... Um, come to know that there's there's a real need for helping people understand like and have knowledge about their faith uh there is no um 
Serbian translation of the Bible uh, in the Serbian Orthodox Church that the church has approved of at all. Uh, so you can't go buy a Bible at an Orthodox Church there. You can't get a Bible at a store. They're kind of hard to find. There's some Protestants, evangelicals, giving Bibles out. Uh, but we've heard that priests have told their people in the Orthodox Church that if you see someone reading their Bible in the park, then they're, they're a part of a cult. And so um, we've kind of found that there is kind of a wall between us and people sometimes when we talk about the Bible and we talk about Jesus because they're like, whoa, I think you're a part of a cult. You know, I can't talk to you. But at the same time, we, uh, we feel like there's real need for uh, teaching people about their faith, kind of challenging people like, hey, you say you're a Christian, you say you're Orthodox, let's read the Bible together. Um, and so, uh, and it, the, the Bible that is read in the, in the lit- liturgy at a Serbian Orthodox Church is actually a really, really old translation of Serbian. So it's kind of not really understood by people. Uh, and so, there's definitely a lack of knowledge about about the Christian faith um, in Serbia, for sure. And primarily, our ministry that we've been doing in our first two years has been uh, ministry to displaced people, to refugees, to migrants who find themselves stuck in Serbia. So we've been able to make some connections in Serbia with a couple that have uh, access to the uh, asylum seeker camps in Serbia. And so we go to a camp that's really close to Belgrade in a place called Kronjača. Now everyone has to try to say Kronjača. Good. So um, in this camp in Kronjača, there's about 500 people, 500 displaced uh, people. And we've been able to go there uh, and be a part of a project called Courage for the Journey. That's a NCM project. Uh, that goes on in Central Europe, in, in uh, Croatia, Poland, and Serbia. And this is a project where we go and we uh, really just try to encourage people wherever they are on their journey. Uh, by the time these displaced people get to Serbia, usually they've come from countries in the Middle East uh, or Northern Africa. Um, they've had a pretty long journey crossing the Mediterranean or coming up through Asia Minor, up through the Balkans. And so by the time they get to Serbia, they're almost to the European Union. Uh, the, the Serbia borders at the north that are um, Croatia, Hungary, Romania are European Union countries. And so these people are usually trying to cross the border a lot when the weather's nice. And they usually get stuck in Serbia because those borders are pretty hard to cross. They get kicked back, beaten up a lot of the time and kicked back into Serbia uh, and, we, and we try to encourage them. We do uh, humanizing activities a lot, like we've had some soccer tournaments for older boys. Um, we've planted trees in the camp, although most of them have been climbed on and destroyed by kids because during the pandemic, they were kind of stuck in the camp a lot for like two or three months. Um, and this this camp is, is where we've worked for the most part. We've... Uh, done painting projects, painting the inside of rooms. And something that's really cool is, is we, wanted to, uh, we wanted to try to have a space inside the camp where we could get to know people by teaching English. English can be really important for these di- displaced people because no matter where they end up, they can use English uh, to communicate. 
and there's usually an interest of, from, from their side in learning English. And so we tried to ask the camp leaders if we could have a space to teach English, and they kept telling us no several times. And then finally we, somebody in our group, like our partners, just had the idea of like, hey, what, why don't we just ask them if we can have a group for Christians somewhere in the camp? Because the Christians in this camp are, are definitely a minority. And so they have some activities in the, inside the camp for Muslims. And so they, they said, okay, it's only fair that we can have something for Christians as well. So in the past year, we've been meeting inside the camp in a, in a kind of a small room. Uh, and we've been... Uh, singing some songs in Farsi. Uh, we have an interpreter where we do some discipleship, uh, try to teach people about the Bible and stuff. And we've been giving out Bibles in Farsi and in Arabic. And this, this little group has been really cool. Uh, through this group, we've found that uh, a lot of people in this camp are really, really like interested in who Jesus is. They come from these oppressive Muslim countries a lot of the time. Um, and they, we've, we've really found that God's provenient grace is going before us and that these people are usually coming like with some type of interest in who Jesus is. And they see us in the camp. They see us helping a lot, doing a lot of different activities. And so they're interested in learning. Um, and through this ministry, we've actually baptized six people, which has been really cool. Um, and I've learned some songs, worship songs in Farsi. I don't really know what I'm singing, but they're uh, like American worship songs that have been translated into Farsi that we, that we sing in the camp. Uh, and so we've had a really good time being able to just hang out with these people, get to know them, uh, and, and teach them about, about God, which has been really cool. Um, and uh, so I, I said earlier that uh, we kind of felt like we were dumped in Serbia. And I think that has given us kind of a tiny, tiny little taste of, of maybe what these displaced people feel uh, when they're in Serbia. We know people who have been stuck in Serbia for like three or four years uh, and what seems like, which seems like forever for them. We know some kids who have pretty much grown up in asylum seeker camps. Um, and these people are on a really long journey and we just want to try to encourage them and, and help them to get to know God and help them to, to feel like real people. You know, that's why we do these humanizing activities because a lot of the time they're looked at like they're a problem uh, more than they are looked at as people. And so we just want to help encourage them, help them to know that they are loved uh, for sure by God. Uh, yeah, and so another thing that we've done in our first couple of years is uh, it turns out pioneering uh, the Church of the Nazarene in a new country that you don't know a whole lot about is very hard, and so we've had to make we've had to make a lot of partnerships uh, with different people. Like we go to an international church on Sundays where we help out a little bit, and it's kind of been like our community. It's been really cool. And in this international church, there's uh, a lot of Serbs who are who still consider themselves to be Orthodox, but they're also like learning about Jesus and the Bible and in a kind of a Protestant uh, international, non-denominational church. Um, and there's also people in that church from around the world who are working in Belgrade. And, and we've made other connections like with this couple I talked about who's give, who has given us like access to going to the camp. And through this couple, we also have done some 
cool things with Roma ministry. And um, Roma people, they're sometimes referred to as gypsies, if you didn't know. Uh, and we've, we've kind of felt like uh, education is a really, really big need with these Roma people, these Roma children in particular. And so we've been doing two things with, with, the Ro- with some Roma communities around the Belgrade area. Uh, the first thing is through this couple. Their names are Dragan and Daniela. So we've been going with them to uh, do like a mini VBS kind of program where we go into the camp and sing some songs in Serbian, uh, share some Bible verses and Bible stories. Uh, and it's a cool thing for, for these kids to start to learn Serbian uh, because a big problem with their education is, is, is kind of a language issue. Like they speak a dialect of Romanian in their homes usually. And so by the time they go to school, uh, they haven't really learned Serbian at all. So they start learning Serbian in school usually. And if you start to learn a language in, in kindergarten, you're going to start pretty, pretty far behind. And we've, we've found that a lot of Roma kids just have not been taught to have any kind of uh, discipline or desire when it comes to school, when it comes to learning. And so we found an organization that's really cool that does something really simple uh, for Roma kindergarten kids. And I think a lot of the time missions uh, can be really super simple things that have a big impact. Um, And this organization has a program for kindergarten kids that I've been volunteering with where we go to a Roma settlement, we go to a meeting point uh, to walk kids to school. The kindergarten kids come out and we make sure they have everything they need for school, like a backpack, um, a snack. We walk them to school. It's like a 10 or 15 minute walk. And then we talk to the teacher on their behalf. Uh, and then another, another group will take the kids from school, pick them up, take them back to the meeting point, sometimes take them home and talk to their parents if, if they need anything. And we found that this program is really cool just to, just for these Roma kids to have someone who's there every day to take them to school and back has just been really huge for them. And this is an organization that is not Christian and they, they've claimed that they have an 85% success rate with this, this kindergarten program where 85% of the kids who go through this program go to school every day with a volunteer. Uh, they have... Uh, 85% of them finish grade school and do really well in school. They've been doing it for like eight years now. Um, And so these are some of the things that we've been doing in Serbia. We have a lot of partnerships, a lot of of people that we've been getting to know. We've been getting to know Serbian people, um, trying to disciple people and stuff. We've also had different things with these different ministries, different organizations. And so... uh, there are ways in which you guys can pray for us. Uh, we, we need some discernment with all these different relationships that we, we have. Uh, it hasn't been easy, easy working with, you know, different types of people, different organizations. And, you know, we feel like we're pretty, pretty busy. So we need some discernment to know, like, which path we need to go, go down, you know, where is God leading us. And uh, another big prayer request for us is... Um, that when, when we go back to Serbia, we're going back on February 3rd of next year. So we're traveling, spending time with friends and family and stuff and going back February 3rd. And when we go back, uh, we're going to be 
making steps to open up a nonprofit organization in Serbia, and it will be basically NCM, Nazarene Compassionate Ministries in Serbia, and we'll call it Acts of Love, uh, Dela Ljubavi in Serbian. And so we really need prayer for just this process of opening up this organization. There's some details that need to be figured out with a lawyer, like we're not capable of writing out paperwork in, the, in Cyrillic. I can't do that. And so we need a lawyer. We need some help. And we also need to figure out some things in terms of like what does it look like for an American to be the leader of an organization um, with taxes and all that stuff in Serbia. So if you guys can pray for that process that we'd find a lawyer who can help us. And, and at that nonprofit, we will be putting in the statutes that um, that organization will be a place where we can uh, have spiritual or religious activities. So it will be a way for us legally to hold worship services uh, to be able to go down the steps of, of church planting. Because that's the, that's the goal for us long term in, in Serbia is, is church planting. Um, so those are some prayer requests that we have. And Hannah, do you want to say anything? No, you don't have Benson? And I think that's all we got. So are, do, are we doing Q&A later? Uh, let's do it now. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for all of your support and for praying for us. And it was really cool to be a part of the Zoom, Zoom meetings while we were in lockdown in Serbia. That was awesome. And we've missed you guys, missed, missed this, uh, this community. We f- still feel like it's our, it's our community in our home. So thank you guys. What? Oh, yeah. So we have, we have prayer cards somewhere that we'll pass out. And on the prayer cards, if you guys aren't al- already a part of our newsletter, you can go to our website that's on that prayer card and sign up for our newsletter uh, and just stay connected with our ministry through that website, through our blog and stuff. And... That picture has Benson in it, so you can put it on your refrigerator and be reminded to pray for us. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of was all of a sudden. Like, there's been some weird things that have happened in Serbia. Like, so they had a really strict lockdown for like two months. And then, and then there was a presidential election in the summer of 2020. And so everything opened up like really quickly. And then... <laughs> And then after the election, after the, the, uh, the president who was the president before won, everything got into, went into lockdown again really fast. And there were like tons of protests and it went crazy. And then shortly after that, things were open again. So it, it was kind of like a, like a really quick like lockdown to like freedom. And so, and that happened during the summer. So the summer of 2020... Serbia maybe was one of the best places to be in terms of COVID because of how strict that lockdown was. It really kept the numbers way down. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it was like quick. 
and then we had another period last winter where we had to be inside a lot so definitely in the summers um we felt like we've had so much to do and so it's i think probably it's been the same way here with covid it's kind of like things are open for a while and then and then it's we got to take it easy then the open so it's been kind of up and down and during times where we were Uh, yeah, there's, there's a transition, I guess, for us in terms of <coughs> whenever things opened up, like, yeah, some things were already going on, like, like this, uh, this group with Christians, we were already a part of like a message group with them during the lockdown where we were making videos and sending them to, to, to those people already. So it was kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We we've always had to be careful about what the restrictions are and and how we do things. Do a lot of things outside, but um Yeah. Uh yeah, so the the camp lockdown was actually a little bit longer than the the lockdown for most people. Like the displaced people were kind of the first ones to have to stay in their camp and not be able to get out. And they they never were able to get out for like three months. Um, and so when we were able to enter, enter into the camp, uh, it was a really big deal to be able to go in there and see people and help them uh, for sure. And it was, uh, yeah, it, it Things did kind of change quickly whenever things opened up. It, it was it was kind of a big change, and uh, that's a good question. So I th- I think the the reason why that that we want to make sure we have a nonprofit uh, and w- and we have something in our statutes about religious or spiritual activities is because um, the like the police and the government in Serbia can can be pretty strict they can be like kind of how it was during communism and really check what you're doing and make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing um, we've heard of, of that happening with other ministries and so that's why in Serbia you kind of have to make sure things are legal and on paper, just in case, like it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure it would be rare that something would happen. <coughs> but um, because of that threat of like the the leftover communism and, and how the police work, it, it is kind of scary, you know. We want to make sure we're legal. Um, and something I didn't say is uh, through the nonprofit, we we were excited. Soon, we want to open up a community center to rent out a space. Uh, where we can do like English classes, where we can have discipleship, worship services. Um, that's kind of our next step is the nonprofit, then opening up a community center where we can do these things and hopefully that going towards church planning. So. <coughs> what? Oh. Uh, my wife wants me to speak Serbian. Um uh uh mi smo srećni da možemo da budemo ovde 
i možemo da pričamo o Srbiji za vas. Hannah can translate. Yeah. yeah, okay. Do you have a question, Melanie? Yeah, so uh so there there actually was another couple from Oregon that were bef- like before everything happened with COVID, they were really thinking about coming. So we weren't we weren't really supposed to be alone, I guess. And we we have a partnership with with this couple Dragan and Daniela and that was kind of in the works before we got there they've worked with the Nazarene church before uh, and we regularly uh, talk with the Central Europe leadership uh, which is Jay and Tiana Sundberg we we talk to them a lot and if it weren't for COVID they would have come down to Serbia several times but they came down once uh, in that first month and then that's that's why I say we felt like we were dumped there and it's been a struggle. It's been hard. It's because, you know, our, our leaders came down in that first month. We were with a group. And then they left. And we were just, like, dumped there for the entire, you know, last 19 months or so. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the legal process in Serbia has been Hungary. Has been, like, a, a connection to go up into Hungary. So through like the Hungarian embassy, people get their paperwork in order uh, and start their asylum process with the Hungarian government while they're in Serbia. And that got cut off really quick during the pandemic. It was already like really slow, like one family, you know, maybe per month we're going. And then it, it, it totally cut off. And we know two families that have gone in the last few months to Hungary through that process. So it started up again but it's like really slow and even even people applying for asylum in Serbia rarely will get asylum there uh so it's just like there there's a there's new programs now for trying to get people back home if if they're able to go back home safely uh but for a lot of people it's it's totally unsafe for them to go back and uh usually i talk about like through through the painting projects that we that we've done usually i show a picture uh of it's like a it's a picture that that, that we took of the inside of a room in the in the camp so we go especially in the summers we go inside rooms that are unoccupied because in the summer people are more out and active trying to cross borders and there's less people in the camp so in the summer we go into rooms and paint them and f- usually we have to sand down some drawings first and so I took a picture of this uh, this drawing and it says at the bottom it says my country uh, Pakistan and it's it's a someone who drew like mountains and hills and like a nice little stream with a bridge over it very pretty but then scattered all over the place are like tanks and cannons and guns people with guns and uh, we've we've talked to a lot of people from countries like Afghanistan Pakistan who say that like all they've known in their life pretty much is war. That's it. And so uh, I think it's definitely important to, to remember that for most of these people, um, they didn't want to leave their home. Like they didn't want to leave their country or sometimes leave their family behind, but they really had to 
you know, and so they're just trying to get to uh, developed European Union countries like Germany, for example, so that they can go and have a place to work, have a place to provide for themselves, for their families, have a have a hope and future, really. So we we encounter these people that are stuck in this camp in Serbia, and in the camp there's a lot of just a lot of depression, you know, hopelessness because people are just kind of waiting there you know in, in cramped conditions and so we're just trying to encourage them and and see what we can do with, you know in the meantime in Serbia yeah yes yeah like sometimes people have been away from their country for like eight years like and we we know some kids that we work with that are like six, seven, eight years old, and so pretty much their whole life has has been you know in a in a asylum seeker camp, um, and so p- people people have a long journey because uh, there are camps in Turkey, there's camps in Greece, uh, and these are places that are on the way. So maybe they'll they will make it across a border and stay in a camp for a while until they're able to get some money to pay a smuggler until they're able to cross the border. A lot of the time, people walk really long distances in, in parts of their journey. Sometimes they take a, a really crazy, dangerous boat ride across the Mediterranean too, uh, in which a lot of people die in that situation. So um, we've met some people with some crazy stories for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, we're home to raise money. We've been to like I think this is our twenty first church. Uh and so our like in October we were really busy. We went to I think we went to sixteen churches in fifteen days. So now we're kind of like we just had Thanksgiving. We're kind of a little bit more spread out right now. Um, yeah, and just in general, like, uh, we've been able to to be a part of a community at this international church in Serbia and make friends there, which has been important for us to have com- some community, to have some friends in Serbia, some good relationships. So w- we've been doing okay, I think probably because of that, because of those relationships and community and stuff. And so now we're just traveling a lot and traveling with the baby and uh, enjoying being back in the States, you know, but yeah, it's like we're, our, we feel like our community now kind of is in Serbia and, and for the time being, you know, and so I think we're doing okay. Hannah, do you want to answer that question? You doing okay? Oh. Yeah. We do. Of course. <laughs> oh yeah, so we're uh we have to we're raising uh a full year of our what we need like our expenses. 
which is around like 50,000. And so it's hard, it's hard to say because like we've been to a lot of churches in the last month and on, only half of them have sent money in. So we're, I think we're on track. I think we're okay. We're not really worried about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also we've been able to get some monthly donors, which has been really awesome. And we're always looking for more monthly sp- sponsorships. So, um, cause that'll kind of sustain us to be able to be there two years at a time. So, but we're, we're, we're doing great. We're doing fine. So yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah.